My mother, she would say to me, you know, what are you going to do with yourself, Michael? What are you going to do? There's nothing that just hit me that I wanted to do. I wanted to be Rocky. That's what I wanted to be. Setting ourselves up here is something special, you know, the next thing Next guest is a uh, very funny gentleman making his debut with us tonight, and he will be performing all next week at the 25th Annual Montreal Comedy Festival. Please welcome Joe Matarese. Please welcome Joe Matarese, everybody. Joe, Joe Matarese. Here's a sign you're getting old, and I knew I was getting old. When you go to an empty bar and you go, I love this place. We're back. We are back, everybody. Mike is uh, shooting. He's doing gunshots. Food. I'm wearing a Yankee hat. You'll find out in a second why. But uh, good to be back in our digs. In our digs? No, it's good to be back in our digs. Last week, I, I guess, I guess, Joe, we should open up the show and explain why there was no episode last week. It was the craziest thing. It came out of nowhere. I had several things happen on my end. <clears throat> I took the car in to get inspected, and I had to take a um, Uber home. And on the way home, we got hit with a swarm of locusts. When we left the Uber car, we had to start walking along the highway on 402. And a woman was going into birth, so I helped give birth to a woman right there. We got off the exit, and there was a gentleman who had a heart condition, and so we were doing. I was doing CPR. I basically saved his life, and... I got back to the house, a huge tornado had taken off the back of the house and Sue was putting up one of those blue cloths. So unfortunately, I couldn't really partake in last week's episode. I had to fix my house, deliver a baby, save a man from dying from a heart attack and walk through my stream. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. Technical difficulties. I couldn't sign on, and Joe basically saved the day and I tried to do something. And in the end, Joe, what happened? That's right, it sticks. Uh, you wanted the complete honest truth of what happened? Sure. Uh, what well, happened? I ended up having to do that whole episode live, and it's yeah, it's only out there for the people that were actually on the live feed. Uh, erased oh. erased and gone you know what i realized because we you, we talked about wanting to go live and last week we did it and then of course we had technical problems so that made it yeah. annoying but you know what was the main problem mike when i went what? back to listen to the episode i'm going unless you're in the live mm -hmm. it's not a good listen because you just hear me talking to people that are in the feed so if you're just listening to that in your car or, yeah. or if you're watching it after the fact, it's it's not entertaining. So you realize it doesn't work. Right. So I was like, forget it. Let's just scrap that episode. You know what I mean? And you always yeah. hear this. If I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I always hear the podcasters saying, uh, oh, yeah, there was that one episode that never aired or we had technical problem that yeah, one week. Yeah, yeah. You know? So Well, uh, I, if I'm honest, I have to tell you, I, uh, I heard from... Uh, a few people that have been watching us uh, religiously, <laughs> those nine people, God bless them, and uh, they, everyone said you made an incredibly honorable attempt to savage, salvage a, a, a show that just blew up. So you did real good, so kudos to you, buddy. Proud of you. Yeah, well, it was. I have the ability. I'm a comedian. So if I just want to start talking to people in a chat, because that's what they want when right. you go live. It's like when you do a yeah. live stream on Facebook or Instagram. They don't want you doing an act. They want to ask you stuff and they want you to be interactive. That's true. So no, no, you're, you're right. You're right. That's what I did. But like I said, does doesn't work after the fact. So uh, I appreciate all the people, especially our, our Patreon people that we want to uh, hit up right now uh, we had a new subscriber this week and i want to say his name if i say this right i think he i think he was a fan of yours who came over to patreon uh, on yeah. andreas kukuli he's over in like england somewhere right yeah yeah he's he's a big rocky fan great guy and uh 
real down to earth. Uh, I mean, as, as far as I could tell in all the conversations I have on social media with him, and uh, it's great to have him with this. And uh, you know, um, thank you, my friend. Keep punching. And you people that don't know about Patreon, this show is completely uh, it's con- it's crowdfunded by our Patreon, uh, yeah. and it's Patreon dot com forward slash from pretender to contender it's on the screen for viewers and uh, people listening hopefully you can write that down you can always find that link um in our link trees that are sometimes up in our instagram and our uh tiktok pages but we took so, them down we have a new by the way uh, uh mike true. i think your experiment was correct i don't think it's working we'll just stop we'll stop talking about the plugging and, and let's entertain people uh so sure so yeah so what what has happened over the week um hmm. i got a few things a few movies that i wanted to talk about before yeah. we get to uh, our guest which we didn't even tease yet we have a we have a guest i interviewed him by myself he's an old friend of mine his name's jimmy palumbo now some of you might not know that name but maybe when you see his face you'll go oh he's that guy Basically, which is kind of what he's made a 30-year acting career as being just in, as he'll tell you, you have to scroll when you go to his IMDb page. He has 100, 107 credits on IMDb. So that's a lot of television shows. That's a lot of right. acting. Uh, I mean, the things that he's known for the most, Mike, is um, he was in this movie, The Family, with Robert De Niro okay. uh, right. and Michelle Pfeiffer. And uh, he had he was over in France for two months filming that um, he was on a sh- I, I, the, the stuff that I put in his little uh, trailer that you're going to see when, right before we get to the interview is this clip from Broad City that I thought was really funny on Comedy Central. He was on nice. Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's a funny scene. I tried to leave the almost the whole scene in what we're going to show them with yeah. him and um, Larry David. Um, he was, uh, he was in the movie beer league with Artie Lang. I don't know if you've seen that one, Mike. I did. I did. I, I had, uh, I thought for sure that was going to be an Oscar contender. I, I didn't dis. was he the a, guy? Well, there's a scene was, with the one scene. There's two scenes that I remember really well. One I put in the little trailer here, a guy comes out with the Italy baseball glove. It's like painted off the Italy okay. colors. Yeah, and he goes, "Could you be more of a fucking Guido?" He's the guy that says that to to him. Oh, okay, okay. And then he's a guy when he comes up to bat, he starts doing like a baseball announcer. He's like, "Up to bat," and he like sets Uh, it all up. I remember that. He's that guy, and uh, he's actually he knows Artie Lang way better than I do. The him and Artie used to be in a sketch comedy group called Live on Tape. That after Artie Lang left and went to Mad TV, right, um, right. Jimmy continued, and they got a development deal with NBC to do that show on NBC. And he'll tell you the story. I, I don't want to give I, it away. I saw Beer League, and I mean, I'll lightly tease it. I mean, it wasn't a great movie, but it wasn't horrible. I, I didn't think it was a horrible movie. Well, I he'll think tell you the, the ger- reason why that that should have been better. He like, um, oh, I could imagine the he'll reason tell you why. why. A guy by the name of Artie Lang, I'm sure, had some issues at the um, time that contributed that. But there was a lot of business behind that one. It, uh, one of the guys, and just situation. just a quick question. One of the producers was Kamal, right, from the Jerky Boys. I think you're right. He didn't mention that, but I think you're right because Artie's friends with that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought it was cool. Well, that's going to be a great interview. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and he's also famous for a scene that he did uh, on Friends with with Schwimmer and uh, Jennifer Aniston where he's peeking around the curtain when she's giving birth. Oh, really? And he keeps, and his wife is uh, Debbie Mazar, who was in uh, Goodfellas. Do you know who Debbie Mazar is? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Debbie Mazar is yelling at him, going, Are you, what the fuck? What are you looking at? He's like peeking around the curtain. (laughs) She's like giving birth, and Swimmer yells at him. So, will uh, anybody think I'm actually Jimmy Palumbo? No. Yeah, no, I was just wondering because I just noticed now my name is Jimmy Palumbo on the screen. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe he's going to be the new co-host and Joe's going to let me go on air. That would be good for ratings. You're right. <laughs> Joe no, leave it up now. It's, it's, it's even better now. No, leave I'm it there. I'm fixing that, dude. I'm fixing that in, in the moment. That's awesome. I love that. Kunda. Hey. Kunda. Whew. 
I better get that contract signed. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> you think it, I bet you like 900 people noticed it when we premiere the episode on Tuesday night. They're going to all be writing in and we'll be like, fuckers, we're not live. We're pre-record now, motherfuckers. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, but Jimmy, it does sound like Jimmy Palumbo's done has uh, just a, a great, varied career. And. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the interview. And uh, Jimmy, if you're listening, if you're watching, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to sit down with Joel and go over this stuff. We both really appreciate it. And Thanks. he and he was also part of the table read. He really helped me put it together. We did Stacy oh, uh, Stacy Burek's uh, Adrian Balboa script. We actually read that yesterday, Mike. The whole script. How did it go yesterday? It went very good. It went very good. good. Um, you realize when you do a table read how long a script is? Yeah. Because I think it might have taken us two hours and 40 minutes to read her whole script. Like, even, yeah. I think that was Jimmy's number one note to Stacy. Right. He said, um, he had a really good, he had a couple of real, really good ideas that he told me. He, oh, okay. It was nice that he called her on the phone. And okay. he gave her a lot of uh, tips. And one of his tips reminded me of you, a project you told me about, which was mm -hmm. a young Mickey. Someone wrote oh, a script yeah. called Mickey Goldmill. You talked about that on the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a brilliant script. Brilliant. Well, because he said that her script, and I said this to you when we had her on, you know, it's a very hard sell because Rocky's 75 now. And they're yeah. never going to allow somebody else to play an iconic character. Yeah, uh, that's fifty-one years old. I like I like the story she did. I like the Adrian Balboa script. I found it very compelling. I I loved watching her take on how Rocky would handle, how Adrian would handle, how they all would handle her uh, passing, and how the restaurant came to be. I think that's fantastic, and I think and I hope she does this. I hope Stacy goes back and writes an Adrian origins story. But you would have a compelling Adrian story. You you could bring a Paulie in, the the father, how the father yeah. was a horrible, you know, the but, whole thing. But you have to put it in a time where it makes sense that someone young plays them. Like it's a young yeah, story. It's yeah. not someone like not someone that Talia Shire could play now, but we're getting right. somebody else. No. You know, it, right. now you understand well Rocky's nine you know, he's eighteen, yeah. he's nineteen, he's twenty. Yeah. So we have uh, a great guest, Jimmy Palumbo. Him and I go way back and uh here's a bunch of the stuff, the bunch of the great things he's done in his career right before the interview. And I hope uh you laugh at this stuff. He's a hilarious comedic actor. Nice. Jimmy Palumbo. We'll be right back with that. You okay, boys? Oh, yeah. Hey. Now you make the best pasta. Oh, thanks. I give you $40. I'm going to get a little more than artwork from you over there, sweet cheeks. Why don't you s my f Hey, listen, I've been there, sweetie. I've been there. I gave the other doorman, the heavy set guy with the glasses. Yeah, I, I gave know. him $20. I told him to give you $10. You didn't get the $10? No. Are you looking at her? No. Don't you look at her, you sick bastard. <laughs> Honey, I swear I wasn't looking at her. She's in labor. You like that, you sick son of a bitch? So, Jimmy, <laughs> it's always fun. What's up, bro? Well, I'm glad that you said, uh, let's do what your show is, which is, you know, you know, cover how you were a pretender and then how you became a contender i'm sure you can imagine kind of what that is i mean the 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 viewers and the listeners don't know you but you and i go way back um from playing softball in new york city and we had the same manager at a time but and, right. and you know what what I'm trying to think when, what year we met, because then I want to go back even even earlier before we met I, New York I, City. It's probably I met 90s. you, uh, yeah, I met you uh, probably 91, 90, 91. Really? That soon? Because I don't think I yeah, was because uh, your... Live on Tape was 95, 96. I met you well before that. Peter started as a manager. I didn't know you. I started in showbiz around 90, 91. Yeah, I, I didn't know. Me and Ar I mean, me and well, Artie were just, you know, two boobs going into the city. I didn't know you then. Well, I only I met move, you after I Peter became. But I didn't move to New York City till 1995. 
when the Yankees want when the Yankees. Okay, but where, but where were you living? I used I lived in South Jersey. I moved to New York in uh, I know, but I think, 95. Uh, when did you sign with Peter? That's how we'll know that. Well, Peter wasn't my first comedy manager, so I probably signed with him in 97. You know what? That makes sense because then I met you in 97, and I'll tell you why we could giggle about this. For some reason, your personality and me and Artie's, uh, we've talked about this, um, and you became good friends with Artie, and I'm, I've and known Artie he's talking Artie, Artie Lang, everybody. We'll get into the beer league story. But the, no, but the, the funny thing, that's how, um, uh, that's how we met. And I remember you, you were like, you were like, not shy, but you know, I didn't know who you were. And me and Artie were two clowns, literally. And, uh, <laughs> you had a much better career at that point, believe it or not, than Artie did. Um, uh, no, and more, I think oh, when I you, first started hanging out with you and Artie, he just got the Howard Stern show. No, 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 no. You got your all your time frame off. <laughs> Artie was Artie was it was Artie was just on Mad TV. Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. We were, listen, but we uh, used to uh, hang Artie out I, at our manager's out. We, office. We were all we were all rookies in showbiz. We'll leave it at that. Right. So and you if, thought and you thought we were jerks. I remember that. So I guess if we go way back, I mean, high school. Uh, where'd you grow up? First of all, uh, well, I grew up in what's known as Central Jersey, uh, off exit one thirty one. Those of you scoring at home, or exit uh, exit eleven on the uh, turnpike, uh, Central Jersey, Colonia, uh, New Jersey. Um, went to Colonia High, and uh, then I went to Rutgers. Um, but I wasn't in showbiz at all. I was actually afraid to do it. I always wanted to do something, but it was like back then my family's a blue collar family. My dad's a carpenter. Mom's a secretary. And I, um, uh, the only thing I really remember is my, in 1978, when I was 13, I went to my brother's senior year play at the high school. He wasn't in, uh, acting or anything. I just went, you know, we live five minute walk from the high school and they did a show called um, Heaven Can Wait. And the Love Jack Albertson role, the guy with the trombone, whatever, the trumpet. There was this kid. And I remember he was getting tons of laughs. He was he, he nailed the part. And I remember sitting there in the back of the Colonia High School Auditorium. And I remember being like, wow, like I want to do that. I can do I can do that. I can do that. And but it got subverted back in. And I actually had a paper route. And his family he, was uh, on my paper route. He answered the door once. And I'm like, you're the dude in that play, Heaven Kuwait. Of course, I was treating him like he was De Niro. And, uh, <laughs> and then I didn't, I was afraid by 83 when I graduated, they wanted me to do the senior play. I said, no, I was too, I was afraid. I, I always had a fear of everything I've started doing until I finally uh, answered an ad in, in uh, the Star Ledger for a community theater show called uh, Played Against Sam. And you'll appreciate this. It said auditions from 8 to 10, okay? I thought that meant like the stores open from 8 to 10. So I showed up at 9.56 with a cup of coffee, sweatpants. I stroll into this little theater in East Brunswick. No headshot. Didn't know what a headshot was. I strolled in like, you know, I was Sinatra at the Sands mm -hmm. and not even knowing, but not even knowing, like, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I just, so I walk in and some lady was gathering up the stuff on this little table. She goes, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm here to audition for Played Against Sam. She's like, oh, well, it was from eight to 10. I look at my watch. And I'm like, hey, I don't know. Well, it's five to 10. Like as if you're, you're I, I want a sandwich. I'm going to order a turkey sandwich. You're not closed yet. She goes, hang on. She goes inside to the theater, comes back out, and she goes, okay, you know, Mary will see you. And uh, I said, okay. She goes, well, what role do you want to play? I'm like, I don't know. This is a Woody Allen play. I'll just read for the Woody Allen thing. She's like, oh, no, um, you're not really right for that. I'm like, all right. Well, give me another. You tell me. Like, So I get the sides, and it's the uh, – uh, <laughs> Uh, what the hell is his name? Um, the other, his buddy in the movie can't think of his name now. The actor, uh, curly hair, and um, oh, that, this uh, is the guy he used in every movie. That yeah, one yeah, guy yeah. With so, the... so I walk into this. I walk into this theater, 
And it's the cutest theater you've ever seen. Real seats. They had lights. There was a stage. It was adorable. And I was like, oh, look at this little place, you know? So I walk on the stage. She's sitting in the, in the, in the, Mary McGinley is sitting in the, in the seats. And I'm like, hey, this is awesome, man. They got seats in here, curtains. Like, and she's staring at me like, who is this boob? So I read, uh, Tony Roberts is the actor. I read the, uh, so I, I have a script in my head. And I read it like with no, never reading out loud a line in my life. I read it like, I don't know, just act like I'm this guy, whatever. Did you have? And did you practice day, it at all? Or nothing. No, nothing. Uh, I read it over for about three minutes outside before I got, you know. <laughs> so she stares at me. She's like, okay. She goes, can you do that again? I do it again. Do the same thing. And meanwhile, I'm like more into like the yellow lights that were above. And <laughs> it's like so stupid. Yeah, you're on So stage. I leave. So I leave, I go home, I'm like, hey, Ma, this little theater over there, they do shows, and it's really, how come we never been there? Well, she's like, I never heard of it, and, you know, we're going on, you know. So I, I let it go, I forget about it. I was happy with just doing that. So a week later, I get a phone call from her. She's like, uh, Jimmy, I'd like to bring you back for a callback. I didn't know what a callback meant. I was like, what is that? I said, like, what do you mean callback? What, I got to call somebody? I, I didn't really know. <laughs> So she, I didn't. So she goes. So I go back. How old are you at two, this time? Eighteen. I'm like no. I'm like twenty six. Oh, okay. You're not young. Yeah. This is after you graduate college. Yeah. So I, uh, I end up. Um, I, I go back, and it's there's two guys in the waiting room now. A really tall guy and me. And in my head, I'm already like playing casting director. I'm like, well. If they go with a tall guy, I lose. If they don't want a tall guy, I got a shot. Because <laughs> it was this guy was like six foot, right? So I go in there, I do the same exact thing. I just do the part. I probably audition the same way today. I just do the part as I see it, right? I get done. Uh a week goes by, and I get a phone call from the director. She's like, Hey Jimmy, it's Mary. She's like, Listen, um, she's like, I I think I want to cast you in this play. I'm like, oh, great. How's it work? How's it work? Like, what are we doing? She's like, well, I got to talk to you first. Like, everyone in the show has a lot of experience. They they were professional at one point. They stopped doing it. They've done this. They've done that. And she was like, I, 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 I want to, I, I don't know who you are. You strolled into our world. And I, I, there's something about you. I don't know. I want to. I want to try to direct somebody who's never done anything. I was like, yeah, all right. Tell me what I got to do. So she goes, but you're going to like show up and everything, right? You're going to like go to the rehearsals. You're not going to like go to a, you know, a giant game during a show or something. But I was right. like, well, it depends if it's a playoff game. I said, you know, joking around with her. She wasn't laughing. And I said, all right. <laughs> so I, 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 next thing you know, I, I get, I show up for rehearsal. I say, yes, I show up for rehearsal. And I remember telling my mother, she gave me a weird look like, all right, that's what you want to do. Like I was saying there was a bridge club or chess club I wanted to go to. She, no and, interest. And what part did they give you? They gave you the Tony, one of the leads. They so gave I you a big a part. Yeah, in a, wow. in a community theater play, right? And you know these community theater plays always feels like it's bigger than it is, but it's in East Brunswick, New Jersey. Where, 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 where's everybody going? But it was creative souls. I respect that much well, more. People, people listening and watching need to know this. Because I think it's important to the story here. You're in a part of New Jersey that's north of where I grew up, and and you're right in the like I used to say, exit eleven on the Jersey Turnpike was the cutoff where a comedian could move and be considered a New York comedian. Yeah, I, I, I that that's kind of true. So Listen, I grew up, I grew so, up a thirty nine minute train ride from. Yeah, there. and those actors that are in there, like she's saying, are experienced because. They might live at Exit Eleven, and they were, you know, on Broadway they, listen, or something. They were so in their, they're they connected were in their, to the New York acting world. They were in their, um, they were in their thirties, late thirties. They had probably tried to make it in showbiz, and 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 didn't it didn't work out, or they got married, or they moved on, like we should have. <laughs> and right. um, so, um, uh, so I show up at rehearsal, and next thing you know, she's we're reading the script. We got this little that little cute script that they you know from french music or a french 
playwrights, whatever. Oh, well, you had the play, right? Yeah, the little play. The Samuel, and next thing you know, Samuel, she's like, what are those she, called? Samuel, 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 Samuel French. Samuel, Samuel French, French play, yeah. I, know, I thought it was a door. Look at this screen. little. Yeah, yeah. Like, I still I kept them from all the plays. I, I have them in a closet so, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So next thing you know, we're at rehearsal, and it's like she's doing stage left, stage right. And I'm like, so after rehearsal, I said, hey, Mary, I said, you know, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, oh, okay. I was like, listen, pretend like it's touch football in the street. You tell me where I got to be, and I'll catch the ball in that spot. Don't do, tell him, Jimmy, you got to be in front of the bar. You got to be at the below the couch. It's like, you know, doing it down and out by the, by the, uh, you know, the, te- the telephone pole, you know, I was able to, 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 to do it that way. And then we started rehearsal and she never really said anything to me. Um, and then the final week was she gets, she was giving, she was really a great director. Um, she was giving so many notes. She was really tightening this play up and, uh, but never giving notes to me, really, at all. And I was thinking, like, the final rehearsal, she spent, like, 15 minutes with each actor going through, like, unbelievable finite notes. She, get, she didn't even say anything to me. So we do the first show, right? I had my whole family there. It was like a, it was like an Italian baptism. Everybody was there, you know, all the aunts and uncles. <laughs> and I, uh, I remember how bright the lights were, like, going on. I did the show. It felt good. You know, I didn't I didn't blow any of my lines. Did you feel scared, scared with your family there? Oh, I always hate when yeah, my family boy. comes. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, I wasn't in show business. <laughs> it, it was like it you was didn't like no to be afraid. Didn't know to be afraid. Um so uh and the material of course was a Woody Allen play. So the material was great. Well, you know I, I mean? this is what I was going to stop you before before you continue. If is, I'm going on too long, you could tell no, me. No, no, no. But for the listeners and the viewers again, this is probably why you got the part as a, as a novice is Woody Allen's a comedy and you're funny and like a million people with a lot of experience can come in and they can't nail funny. But you being funny and you're I, saying jokes to her <laughs> when you weren't auditioning, you're make you you were you have a comedy. Uh, the way you I, talk I, is in I, joke I, form. I guess I was kidding around with her and. I don't know. Um, right. And she. Uh, you weren't auditioning. After- you weren't auditioning to play. You weren't auditioning to a uh, uh, Phantom of the Opera and no experience. For, you're doing Woody for, Allen and you're funny. So for being all I funny know, is most important. Yeah, but you know what, Joe? For all I know, there was another guy ready to play the role, but he, his his sales job. He took on another sales job, and he, you never know why I got the role. No, but, but I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure funny. Has I don't know. Maybe she saw something. She saw something in me. Uh, I I don't know, but I credit her for uh, keeping me in the biz because after she said something to me, after the first show, she comes up to me. And she was quite older than me. She was very pretty lady. Very like a she was a she was just a doll sweetheart, and she was older than me though, and um, uh, not that much older, but she was you know she's been around you know uh, acting and stuff. She comes over to me. She goes, "Well, kiddo, how did it feel?" And I was like, you know, we were like all the people were having like what wine and and pastries and stuff after the show. She kind of got me in the corner. She goes, "Hey, how did it feel?" I was like, ah, I felt really good. You know, I felt it was cool. I thought I did it. I got, I didn't blow a line. She looks at me. I said to her, I said, Hey, uh, I got to ask you something though. You, you didn't give me any notes. Uh, You were giving everybody else. And she looks at me and she goes, and she says, yeah, Jimmy, I I, I didn't do that. She goes, you know why I didn't do that? You wouldn't have been able to handle them. I, I would have been telling you things that you didn't understand. You didn't get. And so inside I'm starting to feel like, Oh my God, she thinks I sucked, you know, but then she looked me dead in the eye. I'll never forget this. As long as I live, I could tear up. She looked me dead in the eye and she says, but Jimmy, you do things on stage that can't be taught. You do things naturally. You move naturally. Your timing, you, 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 you came in on lines and, and your body language and you did things that can't be taught, uh, uh, that were just, you have no experience and you were doing things better than the people that have been doing plays since they're 10. He goes, I can't, you can't, I can't teach you that, that you have that. And then that made me feel incredible. 
And then she said, I'll give you a note. When you're talking on the phone, do you know how hard it is to talk on the phone on stage when there's no one on the other line? You did that like as if you took a class at HB Studios for that. <laughs> she goes, she goes, however, you know what you did? You turned your back to the audience. You got so caught up in the phone call. You turned your back. She goes, so tomorrow night, just um, just turn towards the audience. And so the next night, I, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, shit, that's easy. So I just, the next night, I just turned the other way, and there I was talking to the audience, you know. Um, and I don't, I'm pro I don't know how good I was in the show. I think she, she was being kind. But she was also being um, pumping me up. And uh, from then on, I just started auditioning for other community theater shows. And I, I, I booked another lead uh, in another show where I had to play a gay guy. And I didn't know the script was written by a famous uh, you know, gay playwright from England, Joe, uh, Joe Orton. It's called Loot. British accent. I didn't know how to do a British accent. I was imitating Elton John like on MTV. And next thing you know, I'm in this play and I didn't understand any of the double entendres, any of the meaning. Uh, I was, I became friendly with the other lead. And he told me one day after like the 10th rehearsal, he goes, Jimmy, you don't understand any of these lines, do you? I'm like, no. He goes, he goes, I love it. She goes, he goes, you're reading it as like Jimmy Palumbo, you know, from central New Jersey. And this is supposed to be like England in the sixties you know, and this whole uh, homosexual gay uh, environment. And you're reading it like you're playing softball. Uh, he goes, and it works. It works in such an odd way. Um, and, and, but I didn't know the subtext at all. I found out later reading about Joe Orton and Luton, his lover murdered him to death. And he had four plays on uh, anyway. Um, and after that, I got the bug and, Started getting the backstage magazine with the ads in it. Remember that? And oh I said, I got headshots. Yeah. I got headshots by a guy. Photos, photos by Larry. Okay. <laughs> and 75 bucks. All right. Me and Artie Lang. Uh, I had met him at that point. Yeah. So we where went, do you, where do you meet Artie? All right. Well, you, or, or is that jump is that jumping ahead too far? Because no, 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 it, it, it's fine. So it's you're 24, 25. No, you're going. You're getting in other other community theaters. You're not just doing that theater with different places. Yes, and I remember people said, "Oh, it takes it takes it takes like ten auditions to get in at this other community theater." And I booked. I had a lot of early success booking non-paying nowhere jobs. But it didn't matter to me. That gave me the confidence that says I can hit. In other words, just because it was Little League, I I was ripping a double down the line. And so I was never told that, like, hey, where do you where do you get to Yankee Stadium? I was like, I don't know. You know just pitch me the ball. I'll slap a base hit to yeah. center. What do you want from me? You know, well, that's I didn't why know. I, I bet if I did a million, like if I had, if I've done, if I would have done 150 uh, of interviews of pretender to contender, I guarantee every person that I would interview would have a story of someone saying something like that director said to you that made you do it. Cause your story is, and I don't want, I don't want to talk about me cause I want to talk about you, but I mean, it's like, it's literally almost word for word of me right. starting as a stand-up comedian and some guy who, just like how you said, she might have been nobody, just one person going, "Sure, you got great stage presence, man. Your material, it's not, it's that's what they, you're, you don't, you don't have any good material yet, but what you just did, you can't learn, and and it's the same thing. It's like I always tell people starting out because a lot of people get motivated by this podcast you know you got to start like there's no way to make it if you never start you well, got to start I, I mentor I mentor kids all the time and sometimes I feel bad when I I should open up an agency called uh, sons and daughters of my friends because I get calls from buddies of mine yeah, my daughter's 18 she's thinking about right and I get them on the phone and my advice is always so kind of really simple. Um, like, because everyone overthinks it. Uh, and I'm like, you got to get a headshot. Oh, where should I go? It doesn't matter. Well, how much are they? Borrow it off your father. Get 500 bucks. Go to the city. Get your headshots. You should have that done by Friday. Okay? What about backstage? Go into the city. 
Go get the Backstage magazine or go online, backstage.com now, of course. And 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 you got to put the headshot up and you got to submit yourself. Uh, like that you can do by Tuesday. So I can have you in showbiz in 10 days. Now, to make a living at it or to book any jobs, that I can't help you with. Other than that's how I got right in. And take an acting class. You should be because people think like, oh, I'm gonna wait until the summer. I'm like, no, do it now. What are you what are you doing? Just do it. And I mean, we all procrastinate, you know that, but uh I always make sure that even if someone I think is ill prepared for showbiz, right. it's not my job to pass their dream, man. And I hate people that do that. And sometimes I can be negative. We can all be negative bastards sometimes. So I always try to say, hey, you know. Don't don't worry about your weight, your height, your hair. Just get the headshot. You are who you are. And then the other thing I always tell kids is your resume is what your resume is at the time. Because some people go, oh, I did my resume, but I only have three things on that. I go, yeah, but did you do those three things? They go, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's your resume. Now, four months from now, you're going to have four things on your resume. Ten months from now, you may have still four things on your resume. A year from now, you may have 11 things on your resume, then 12, then 15. Next thing you know, four years go by and you'll be decreasing the font to fit them all in because that's exactly what happened to me. And then if you get lucky enough, you have to talk it over with your manager about what credits to get rid of. And and, and that's how, that's all I did. That's how I did it, you know? Um, but there's no... To me, the bigger lesson is when to get out than when to get in. That's a that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that is. So so okay. So what happens after all this? You know, um, well, getting to I, New I York, the, you start filling yeah, out backstage. The, What's that's happened? all I did. And we, a weird thing back then, um, Columbia and NYU, they all did student films, and I booked. I think I booked like. Seven or eight of these. When I went on, I sent every week, every Friday, religiously, backstage came out on Thursday. I sent every Friday eight to ten headshots into the city, religiously, well past when I was signed by uh, uh, William Morris, even doing an NBC show, I was still sending headshots every Friday because I felt that's the minimum I could do. And some weeks that's all I did for my career was send the headshots. But I ended up booking these little, some of them were horrible NYU films, you know, with $5 budgets. And, and are you spending then, was, money on acting classes or are you just, this is all uh, learning? I, no, in, in I, I, I took one, I took one class, a commercial acting class at Reed Sweeney Reed. I don't, it's not, it doesn't even exist anymore. And um, no, I, I didn't. Um, and I guess I thought like, oh, I got, I got community theater experience. <laughs> what a jerk. But um, but are are you in play like because that I always no, say like no all I, that's I did great experience theater. though that that when you're in a play it gets you ready for auditions because you're just I acting so. every day I um I, that's all I did and then I, I you would go to these student dorms and audition for these twenty one year old kids and um, I booked uh, I guess seven or eight of them. And it was awesome. You know, back then there was no cell phones. The camera was the size of my Chevy, you know, and it was a big thing. They had to rent the equipment through, through NYU. And it was, a, it was, it was like, I felt like it was like 1955 and I'm working for Paramount. That's how huge the cameras were and everything. And, but I did some pretty cool uh, little films. I look back on some of my clips now. I'm like, Ooh. but like, I remember getting into it um, uh, and, and having a blast. And that, that made me feel comfortable on a set. I didn't know about back to one and and uh, we'll go, Jimmy. We're going to do a close up now. We're going to do a wide shot. I didn't know any of that stuff. So I ended up doing that, and that's when I answered an ad. Uh, I, like I said, my best friend and Artie's best friends were friends, and my best friend kept on telling his, "Hey man, you got to meet this guy, uh, Jimmy Palumbo, buddy of mine. He's a, he's a piece of work." And the other guy was saying, you got to meet my buddy Artie. He's a piece of work. So we finally met one day and we all went out for drinks. And Artie and I, in my opinion, I met like a, a, a soulmate because we ended up in the corner of the bar 
just me and him. And it was like, it was like he, we read each other's hard drives. We were doing Bob Shepard material, Yankee stadium <laughs> talking about like, like I would say Ed Figueroa, Mickey rivers. Yeah. We would talk about things. And it was like, like, I mean, I, like he would talk about Roy White, and I knew what he was talking about, and 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 it was like, and then and then I'm telling you, for all you, uh, everybody knows, Art, you know, he became a star with Howard Stern, but it's a shame, like he's not nearly as funny on Howard Stern as he was sitting at the bar, not crazy drunk either, just telling stories and making people laugh. I remember howling, and then I would make him laugh because I would I would just get a kick out of making him laugh that I knew with a non sequitur about, you know, a lousy giant player, a Tom Mullity tight end in his eighties. So we, after that, I said to him, Hey man, I've been trying to send in headshots. I'm going to the city. He's like, I want to do it too. That's so I'm all, you know, and literally I would pick him up. Even if I had an audition, I would drive from Colonia to union on the way to the city, drive in park. I had a car. He didn't. Um, uh, and and uh, he didn't have a uh, he didn't have a wallet didn't have a license didn't have a credit card nothing and so we started doing it and we uh, we both went in on this audition for an improv show called the uh, the Alan Chan's Improv Group and I'll never forget it we went in on the audition and we had a callback both of us got a callback it was a Wednesday we went back in back to my house and because we had a softball game we and I needed already to play on my team. I checked my messages. Remember, you had to go to your machine, check your messages. And I get this message. Hey, Jimmy, it's Alan Chan. Just want to let you know. Welcome to the Alan Chan Improv Group. You made it. Can't wait to see you at our first rehearsal. And Artie was in the room. And it was like that awkward moment like, oh, my God, I just booked this. I hope Artie booked it. But in my heart, I'm like, there's no way if I made it. Artie was scoring 25 points a game every audition. You know, I was like solid 12-point guy, seven rebounds. I said, there's no way Artie can't make it. So I go, Art, check your machine. And Artie was able to dial his machine, you know. And he's listening. I'll never forget it. I just heard, hey, Artie, it's uh, Alan Chan. Look forward to having you and Jimmy at our first rehearsal. We celebrated. Uh, we both went like four for four in softball that day. And then we went out. We were like hugging each other like, dude. And then we did our first show in New York City. And it looked but the best part is, and Artie will tell you, the show started like on a Tuesday. It started at 5.30 in the summer. We came out of doing a show. There was only eight people in the audience. We come out and it's still light out. Like you're supposed to do Like after a show, it's supposed to be dark and you go to Toot Shores and have a cigarette, you know, and have a scotch. We came out. It was like, it was like bright and sunny and people were coming home from work. There was no sense of showbiz. We roared at that. Of course, we... Ended up going out to the bars and hung out till 2 a.m. Came back, diner, milkshake. That was a 4 a.m. night. But back then, Artie drank, um, you know, tequila and one beer and shots of tequila. And I have so many stories about Artie, I can tell. But uh, it was pure, man. We were just rookies, happy to be. I remember him. I remember, I'll never forget this. He's like, Jimmy, we're doing a show in New York City, in New York. And it, it to this day, that feeling is just awesome. And I've had that feeling when I booked my first TV show. It was like, I'm doing a TV show on a network. And when I booked my first voiceover, like, I'm doing a voiceover that's going to air on people's radio. I never lost that sense. Of course, doing this podcast, I'm not saying I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I'm on okay. Joe Matter Reasons. No, on Joe Matter Reasons. This, no. is, this, is the this is the downside of my career. <laughs> This is me. This is me fighting like Trevor Burbick. I'm so, curious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious because I've thought this about Artie before when I watch, you know, I wasn't watching Mad TV when it was on. I watched Mad TV later after Artie right. was off it. And then I watched, I would go back and, and what, when I started to know Artie, I would watch Mad TV right. and, and realize he had such a great talent for sketch comedy. And I'm oh, I'm yeah, I'm, sure. cu I'm curious when you started doing, uh, you were in this M. What was the improv group? Were you it was, doing it was, sketches? Uh, it was too? it was Alan Chan's improv. No, it was that band like one word story improv. Uh -huh. And then one of the guys, Alan Chan, stopped doing these shows after about seven eight months. And one of the actors, uh, Mike Stafford, who I think you know, yeah, he ended up. Um, 
yeah, he ended up, um, he goes, I want to produce our own show. And we started doing uh, sketches. And Artie, Artie started writing some of the sketches. Uh, and so Mike, Mike Stafford was in this improv group? Oh, w w without Mike Stafford, Artie and I don't have a career. Artie will tell you that. Without Mike Stafford, I, I, I don't, I shouldn't say Artie wouldn't be a star, but without Mike Stafford, let me tell you something. <laughs> would have been a rougher road because he started producing Artie and I just to this day Artie and I are best at showing up and just doing our thing when it comes to producing and paperwork and organization Artie and I we weren't capable of that at that time uh, in terms of showbiz you know and uh, we just had to show up and do our thing and that's what Artie to this but, day I'm convinced why he was great on Howard Stern because all he had to do was show up and yeah. once they turned the mic on he was immediately better than everyone, you know? Right, that natural. Uh, and already started, we started doing sketches. And, uh, I mean... Did, um, you, you to, to talk about you, I mean, did you notice when you started doing sketch comedy? I mean, it's a little bit of a different gear than being in a play or doing voiceovers. Oh, yeah, or but, doing but it's really a bunch of mini... It's a bunch of mini plays. Um, you just had a nail... You had, you had to be a little over-the-top funny. Or straight, if it called for that. Um, Did you think that was a skill that you were like, well, I think I'm even better at this, or you didn't know then? Yeah, I started. Plays? You got to remember, I was doing the NYU films mm -hmm. and the plays. So I always started out as an actor. I never did stand up, and uh, I was afraid to. And so I was, as long as I was with my team, I could do anything. And uh, we did, uh, the group was live on tape, and uh, we started to make some noise. And then, of course, Artie booked Mad TV. And um, and losing Artie was like like Cleveland losing LeBron. And thank God Stafford was able, Stafford had to hire three people to replace Artie, literally. And thank God Mike Stafford hired three unbelievably talented people, not in an Artie way, um, just like 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 really good actors, writers, smart. You know, Amy Wilson, Mary Birdsong, Tony Minuto, Barbara Harrell, Tom Bolster. These people, they're, they're good. I went, on and some, I, remember, I went on some dates with Mary Birdsong. There you go. Otis. She's I call nice her Otis girl. Birdsong. She's awesome. She's 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 but she's she got more talent in her toenail than I do. Yeah, she's um, super talented. But Stafford told me later on that he was going to fire me because I lost Artie. And it was like, you know, Stockton without Malone. And, and, uh, I remember the first rehearsal, I actually was a little cocky, like, like I've been in the group and it wasn't until the third rehearsal that I was like, oh my God, these people are like, they got like 10, 15 sketches. They've been doing this for eight years. Like they're, I was like, and I remember, I really remember being like, Jimmy, like you gotta, you gotta bear down here. And I think from that, from like the third rehearsal on, I, I thought I held my own. And then I realized you know what, not only can I, I still feel this way in many ways, even when I'm auditioning for a huge project, I'm like, I, I don't know, I think I could hit their best pitch. I don't know, like, you know, like, I. that's the way I build myself up, although inside I'm nervous and I'm not confident, but I'm like, I, I don't know, because when you, when you meet these people, they're re just regular people, you know, um, even when I, you know, you just, you get intimidated, yes. I'm doing a scene with Michelle Pfeiffer. Who wouldn't get intimidated? But after a while, you, in your head, you're like, I don't know. Michelle Pfeiffer threw a 98 miles an hour fastball, and I slapped it in the right field, and I went to first base. What do you again, want from again, me? Again, that's what's great about doing it. I mean, I noticed that fast in an acting class. When you, in, What's great about being in New York City or living in Los Angeles is you'll be in a class, and someone famous will be in your class. And you notice when right. you see them go do their acting, you're like, they're not better than us. They just happen to be famous, but they're not better. Everybody looks like they're at the same level here. Let, let, let's talk about the contender part of it. Um, I in 1995, I booked uh, a show called Spin City with Michael J. Fox. Sure. Um, and the reason why I booked that show is that I was on a, I was on a date with a girl. We were going through the Holland Tunnel, and the guy taking the tolls had a hat that said Holland Tunnel. And I thought it was a cool hat. Like, what a cool hat to wear. A, a hat that says Holland Tunnel. Don't ask me why. So I told the girl while the guy was getting the change, I was like, check out that hat. And she was like, she was like, 
stupid Holland Tunnel hat. And right away, I was like, now I know I got. So I offered the guy, I said, can I have, I said, I want your hat. Here's 20 bucks. He took my $20 and flipped the hat right into the car. Really? So <laughs> two days later, I'm on an audition, big time casting director. And um, big time. And uh, I go in and I wear the Holland Tunnel hat. And while we're talking, I, I'm telling the casting director the story. Like, I was on a day where they had to. So I get it. I get a callback, and the message was so funny. Jimmy, callback Tuesday, one o'clock, and bring the Holland Tunnel hat. It's <laughs> like, like the hat's gonna best twenty dollars ever spent. So I book it, and next thing you know, I'm doing an ABC TV show with with no experience. So I got there, and they were like, Jimmy, uh, the, I was a bartender, and uh, I, they're like, oh, your area is over there where you're going to do your scene. So I got behind the bar. I probably had a dressing room or something, but I, I didn't know where it was. I, I, I didn't know the process at all. So picture like Yankee Stadium, and I just I just stood by home plate knowing eventually they're going to ask me to hit. And I stood behind the bar for like 11 hours. I didn't even go back. Like I was like, I'm just, this is where I was supposed to be. I was like an extra almost. But I had a, a couple lines, and I had a whole physical thing to do. And, uh, and did you have the it, Holland Tunnel hat on in the taping? Uh, no, by that time they they uh, there was like a, a, a legal issue with it or something. Like that. Uh, so uh, and next thing you know, I'm doing a scene with Michael J. Fox, you know. And uh, and the thing I remember most, I had a timing thing. I had to hold my hand up like this, like real like real sharp for it to tell him for. It was part of the bit. Uh, and afterwards, when we did the um, uh, our segment was pre taped. Then we did like the live thing. And the only thing I remember from that is being not nervous because I, I don't know. I just was, I don't know why I wasn't nervous. I was doing a major network show. And the other thing I remember is I thought Michael J. Fox, he was friendly, but he was like wiry. And I'm like, God, this guy's all coked up, man. This guy is totally high. No, no, that was the, the later Michael J. Fox. He, in City. No, he had the Parkinson's. Uh, no doubt no doubt he was really? he was he was just like he, jerky like he was like jerky and i'm like I, I i didn't tell i didn't go around saying hey michael j fox is high. i just was like that dude's like wired you know so he's definitely on something doing coke or something um and uh so anyway once i did that and i was like wow you know i just booked a tv show maybe and then a year later we were doing live on tape at nbc at 30 rock in the SNL studios, stage eight, where Johnny Carson was, where John Belushi performed. We Our section was where the band performed. And the first uh, taping, we, we taped about 15 sketches. I had my entire family there, and I'll never forget it. They had to get online at 30 Rock and the people with the NBC buttons. It was, it was like, it was big time, bro, for me. And I remember, like, my cousin John and my brother Frankie were like, afterwards they were like, Hey man, like this is, this is big time, bro. And I was like, yeah. And inside, I was like, I could, I could sense they were like inside. They were going, Jimmy might actually pull this off. <laughs> like we thought he was just shits and giggles, but like, I don't know. He just roped. He just hit a, that ball's deep. And ever since then, I love your I, baseball uh, stuff. I, I said, no, I was like, Do you remember what were some of your characters back then? Like, did you have your original I, characters? That yeah, I, I played. Uh, I played a guy. I did a sketch called Jersey Genesis, which was about God comes to build the world, but he hires two New Jersey contractors. OK, so I, I was the plumber and the other guy was the electrician. That's the other one was called uh, Gates of uh Jersey gates of heaven where I played when you die and go to heaven, instead of pearly white gates, you're at a division of motor vehicles in, in Kearney. And I played the guy in, in charge of, of, of getting to heaven. So I'm like, all right, everybody sit down, let's go fill out the paperwork. That's hysterical. And then I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, make sure you tell exactly, you write down exactly how you died. Uh, but if you got hit by a butt, you know, people say tomorrow I can hit, I can get hit by a bus. Right. Yeah. So one of the funniest lines that I thought, even though it never got a laugh, was except if you got hit by a bus, that you got to fill out the blue form. That was like a special form. And then we had a whore come up. Mary Birdsong was a whore, and she couldn't figure out why. Why am I here? And I'm like, no, God wants you around. You're good for morale. 
Then I had a mobster come in. He had all bullet holes in him. And so we did that. And the other sketch was, um, the hell else was I do? Uh, oh, Uncle Vito. Instead of um, uh, Citibank, it was Vito Bank. And I come out, when you put your card in for an ATM, I come out, like the thing opens up and there's like Italian guy in there. And I'm like, all right, what do you need? And and the guy asked for like 200 bucks. And I go like, 200 bucks? What, what, what do you need, 200 dollars? Where are you going? And and sometimes it was like a dinner and a show. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, who are you taking out? And he, Vinny Scalapini's daughter. I would give him like, nah, you need more than 200 dollars. time you go out to a show. And then another guy, and then another guy tries to rob me with a gun. I'm like, what are you put the gun away? What are you doing? Are you kidding me? And um, and then I'm like, I totally blow him off. Like, get out of here, come on. And then another Irish guy comes in and he he, he the, the password was like Scotto, Broccoli Rob, and, and and the Irish guy bumbles the uh, you know, I tell him how to do that. And then I send him away, and then my oh. mother comes. Then my mother comes up to the ATM. And she's yelling at me because I don't stop by and see her and stuff. So that was uh, that was a big hit. Uh, that, that people got it. And then, of course, we did the date sketch, which I did with Artie before we got to NBC, where it's been done a million times. But I think we were doing it first. Two announcers from ABC with the yellow jackets and the headphones. We announce a first date. So it's like, good evening, everybody. We're here live. Bradley and Susan's first date. Bradley, what do you got? And the actors would talk. And every time they would say something stupid. We would go, oh, look at that. Bradley bringing up his ex-wife, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that that was a, uh, that did really well. So I I had like four or five sketches that uh, NBC really liked, and so did the, the audience. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, listen, I, I'm not, I've been doing this 30 years, and I, I, I guess I look back sometimes, and uh, sometimes I have to remind myself that I did do some really cool stuff back in the day. Uh, you know what you I know, could acting. see you. You know what I could see you playing for some reason, like 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 the kind of acting you Bob Euchre when he would be in movies. Like I could see you being a baseball <laughs> announcer and being hilarious, which is uh, funny because he is uh, well, a, uh, he's retired now, right? He didn't die. He's still alive, right? Euchre. No, Euchre. Uh, he's very old. He's alive. <laughs> Does he still do the? Listen, I, I auditioned for voiceovers with for sports announcers. With actual sports announcers, Steve Albert, and I'm in the room. I'm like, what? Why are they? Why are they? That's because I do more of an over-the-top guy. Yeah, you, you. And do of the- course, it's been done by um, what's his name, Hank Azaria, on that show. Just nails all that. So oh, he's great. Um, like he really that that whole thing. But I've always had fun doing sports announcer. Have you, know, you ever Bob played Shepard a sports and- announcer in a in a in a sketch or in a show? Yeah, I had a play. I there's a bad movie called Sunset Park. Rhea Perlman. I had to do the the PA at Madison Square Garden at the end of a high school final basketball game at the Garden. And there used to be a guy named John Condon who would say, everyone, please drive safely home. Don't forget next week, the Virginia Slims tournament featuring Chris Everett, Martina Navratilova. And this guy made me talk for like four minutes. I used every, don't forget, the Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bell, the greatest show in the world going on and on. And the director was not a nice guy because I stopped after a while. He goes, what are you doing? Keep talking. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you hired the absolute LeBron James for this role. But you can't ask me to talk for four minutes about it. I just rattled off things that you don't even know about. Like, I just gave you brilliance. Yeah. I mean, how many things? And he looked at me like, you got to talk longer. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I was. he was such a, he was not a nice guy. I'll never forget. I should find out his name. He was just not, he wasn't a nice guy. And I'm thinking, who in the world as an actor in New York knows about the Virginia Slims tennis tournament at the Felt Forum with with Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett Lloyd? I think I even said Yvonne Gulligan Cawley. Like, these are like references that nobody knows. Tennis references. Yeah, and then I'm doing like at the Felt Forum, and I'm doing all this stuff. You know, I was like, I would love I to see like, the, I would love to see the unedited footage. Of okay, that you can't. He, it's in the end of the movie, and you can barely hear me. I was doing stuff like, don't forget Friday night Felt Forum, Chief J Strongbow. Like, doing like, like, who's doing that material? You know, and the guy was like looking at me like, I here, here I thought I was serving caviar, and he thought I was just like you know a hot dog, and I was like. 
Oh my God. Like, and then uh, nobody told me that you have to talk for four minutes about Madison Square Garden. Like, I don't think another actor could have done it with reality of being at the garden. Yeah, it's like that's you. You are you were the you were the LeBron James. Everybody does. Uh, a lot of people do. Bob Shepard doing Yankee Stadium. You know, out batting. I, 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 I have a bit one of my okay. specials doing Bob Shepard. But see, I always did it differently because I had season tickets to the Giants, and Bob Shepard was the announcer also. at. Right. So all I remember is you know, uh, you know Sims to Gray, first down, and he also would announce the holder. He would say stuff like the holder. He would say this, "Ba to kick, Hostedler to hold." Nobody does the holder, but Bob Shepard did. So whenever I would hang out with people, and they would always say, "Why do you only do the Giants?" I'm like, "Cause it's funnier." And, you know, he would say like, uh, "Spilled by Carson Taylor." And Van Pelt. There was always another guy he had to add in. I mean, being a public address announcer is, is I used to nail Bob Shepard. Well, and that's then I why met Bob Shepard did the number twice, too. You know, I, 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 the number twice. I met, I met Bob Shepard during a Yankee game, okay? And while I was talking to him, for, by the way, he looked like he was 155 years old. I started to imitate Bob Shepard while I was talking to Bob Shepard. It was like insanity to me. And... um uh, I was just blown away. So, uh, you know, me and, of course, Artie does Bob Shepard as well. Uh, it's really up for debate who used to do him better. Uh, I don't know. We'll, I'll let the public decide that. But I was more of the guy doing the Giants. And then I found out he was a lector at a Catholic church in Long Island. And I started thinking, I would have went to Mass every week. I would have drove two hours to get to Long Island to hear, like, a letter of Paul to the <laughs> Corinthians. How great that would have been. Like, you know, oh, please rise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, like, think about all that stuff. You're kidding me. I'm going to steal letter, that. I'm doing Harry Callis doing mass. That's going to A letter from a Ezekiel. I mean, like, you know, you can't, you can't make that stuff up. That would have been, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, and then Eddie Layton doing the, doing the keep, the, the organ, you know, doing Lady from Ipanema with Bob Shepard in the background. Yeah, that's just, you know, um, classic, classic stuff. You can check me out on the Jimmy Palumbo show. Yes, check check out Jimmy's got a podcast. It's going to be launching. And also the Interlocking NY show, the Rick and Jimmy show. And that will be be streaming live starting on the 21st. And the Jimmy Palumbo show, I think, starts Monday, this Monday, and, the and 15th. What, what movie should they go Google you to, to check you out in on YouTube? Um, uh, the Family. You said uh, you're most famous for your scene in Friends, right? Yeah, the episode what are you Friends most recognizable is, for in your whole acting career. I, I think the scene in Friends, because it made. I mean, Jennifer Anderson in People magazine just said it was the, uh, uh, it was uh, her favorite scene, and she mentioned every actor except for me. What? But she she <laughs> Tell described everybody my character. What scene it was? Yeah, uh, you know, I I did the scene when Jennifer has the baby, and I'm the sick fat rat bastard, and I was. Um, uh, me and Debbie Mazar, and, and I'm checking out Jennifer Aniston and hiding behind the curtain. Uh, it was a big episode. A lot of people watched that night. That that kind of that that helped. I think that still helps my career. To be honest with you. Yeah, I guess I'll see you Saturday. I'll, at the I'll talk to you later, brother. All right, man. Be good. Later. See ya. All right, Mike. You can be honest. You didn't see Jimmy Palumbo's interview. You weren't there. No, Jimmy. What you no, think? No, I have. <laughs> here's my here's my takeaway this week. My takeaway my takeaway is that I have got to watch this episode. Which by the time this episode comes out, I'll be watching it with all of you. So I will see it at the same time all of you are. And uh, uh, just everything you said, Joe, about the guy. I'm sure it's going to be a great interview. And I when will that be, Mike? When will this be? It's going to be. That's going to be tomorrow night, seven o'clock Eastern time. But I guess that tomorrow. really won't matter tomorrow. Well, it not... won't matter. <laughs> it won't matter because everybody will be watching it anyways. Well, you know, give a nice little plug and let them know. Who knows? What if they're watching this some other time? Well, they should know at what time our episodes premiere for the first time on YouTube our every week. Yeah, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Not Central Pacific Eastern Asian, but 
7 p.m. Eastern Pacific. What day of the week? Tuesdays on YouTube. <laughs> Don't miss it. Don't miss it. So do you and have? A- God damn it! When you see our, when we say link in the bio, go to the link in the bios. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> and what is your takeaway for today's episode? Even though you didn't uh, see the interview, we, we did a long. In- you didn't yeah. see the interview. We did a long intro. So what was your takeaway? I think my takeaway is to continue taking the high road in the middle ground. I think that's a very safe place to be in in life. Uh, make your stands. Uh, take your stands when you have to. And um, try not to have a knee-jerk reaction to things. And life goes on. Uh, so my takeaway, let's think here. My takeaway. Um, I, I, I talked a little bit about that table read and why... And how I didn't think I did a great job when I was doing uh, Stallone or Fra- or I was doing Rocky. thought I did a better job as the uh, other boxer only because I was able to pull my hat like that. <laughs> but somehow uh, I got to keep that in my mind for every audition I do and, and in my life just to, to be me. And, uh, and that's it. Just don't. Try to go. change who you are, being try to be somebody else. Just keep, just keep being you, and it'll mm. always be a win. That's what they always tell you. It's just harder than you think to to it nail is. being you. But um, I'm starting to get there as a 53 year old man, and uh, just uh, just be you, man, and and you and you'll That's be it. fine. All right, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for listening uh, as we. Uh, you know we got to we got to shut that music off we can't have that we got to have the real uh, outro music on which I'll I'll add in post to make it easier for myself so I don't have to go look looking for it you can dance around like like you're hearing the music now mike uh episode 8 in the can everybody uh support us on patreon patreon.com forward slash from pretender to contender the tours are coming back the comedy's coming back the acting's coming back all right keep 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 punching to do jabs keep punching keep punching keep punching keep punching 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 later